Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where it's my job to introduce you to people from the world of commercial property. We're talking with investors and thought leaders about their experiences of the commercial property world and sharing our own lessons from the last 20 years to give you practical know-how so that you can follow in their footsteps. If you've ever thought commercial could be your next step, but it just seems too confusing and opaque, then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. Welcome to the Back to Basics series. In these shorter episodes, we'll be covering things like the language of commercial property, simple strategies, and a general context of investing in commercial real estate. Our regular Thursday episodes will continue to provide deeper topic discussions and guest interviews with commercial investors and commercial industry experts. Our hope is to both inspire and provide the tools to help you build a solid cash flowing commercial property portfolio. So let's dive in. Welcome to the Back to Basics series. I'm going to tackle one question on this episode that comes up really regularly. How much deposit will I need to buy my first commercial deal? This is a regular and perfectly legitimate question that new commercial property investors ask. Some don't even get started because they lack of clarity on this particular item. It just simply puts them off. So here's the thing. Generally, lenders do require a larger deposit for commercial compared to residential. Right, I've said it. And that's due to the perceived higher risk. It's true some commercial properties can have higher operating costs and require more management making them maybe a little bit riskier for lenders, plus they can have void periods between occupiers. But our experience and strategy can minimise these risks, so be sure to communicate that when you're trying to obtain finance. Now, unfortunately, I can't give you an exact number on the deposit size, but I can give you an idea of the ballpark and talk through some of the factors that I think influence it. In general, commercial lenders usually do require that higher deposit and it's typically around 30 to 45% of the property's value. However, this can vary depending on the lender's policies and the borrower's financial situation. So typically, if you have money, they're more likely to lend it. And conversely, if you have little money, they're less likely to lend it, even though that's exactly when you need it. That never gets lost to me. You can have it when you don't need it and not when you do. But anyway, the size of deposit you're going to have to find for a commercial property does vary depending on a few factors. So these include things like the location, the size, the type of property, plus um, borrower's credit score, the property's potential rental income, our own experience dealing with and managing commercial properties, and the state of the economy. They all feed into the bank's calculations. In some cases, lenders may even require additional collateral, such as personal assets, to secure the loan and to reduce their risk, of course. So you might have an unencumbered property. That's one where you maybe owe no finance on it and you can offer that up as collateral or security. So let's look at a potential deal to get this into something we can visualise. It's entirely possible to buy a commercial property for £100,000. So let's say it's a high street retail or office space. And there may or not be some in the street you're thinking of, but I've helped a number of people buy their first commercial property for around £100,000. They are out there. If it's vacant and you have no tenant lined up, then getting funding from a traditional lender could be almost impossible or at a loan-to-value or an LTV level of 50%. It's also likely that you'll need to prove that you can service the debt from another area of your life. This is when you've got a vacant property. However, if there's a tenant organised, 
then the deposit might be 30 to 40%, depending on the lender and your financial background. So you may need to find between 30 and 40k, 30 to 40,000. Better still, if you are the tenant, or at least your business is, then the deposit might be at an even lower end of the range. So there's no way of getting away from the fact that buying commercial does require a larger deposit than residential. But having said that, I have actually technically borrowed 100% of the money for a few purchases in the past. <laughs> but the reality was the bank had security over some other assets, which reduced my overall loan to value to a level that they would normally entertain 50-65%, that sort of level, depending on what stage we were at in our business growth at the time. But it's interesting, a lot of residential investors come to commercial and think, well, once I've done this development, I'll refinance, take the money out and put that down as a deposit. Whereas what we've actually done a lot of the time is taken the asset itself, offered that up as security and borrowed against that for the next one, which is why sometimes you can borrow 100% or even more than that of the purchase price for the next one. And we've done that on numerous occasions. And just bringing it to another example, we recently did a deal on a refinance that was a 75% loan to value. But that was because the valuation taken was based on VP or vacant possession. So if you're new to this, that basically means that the valuer has been asked by the bank to give them a few different valuations. One of those is vacant possession. So whether it's got a client in it or not, they just want to know if there's nobody in it, how much would it be worth if it was put on the market with no income? Now, there are others who will lend on market value, i.e. the income it currently has and therefore what somebody would be willing to buy that property for. But you can't have it both ways. Generally, you're getting a higher loan to value at the moment for vacant possession valuations. Or if it's a market valuation, it's maybe nearer 60%, maybe 65 It It works out not too dissimilar, but it's an interesting little quirk that started coming up. Apart from the fact, as I mentioned a minute ago, the key things that the lenders are going to look for are the level of the LTV, of course, your experience and serviceability. So the loan to value obviously directly corresponds to the deposit, but the other two factors can have a big bearing on whether you'll actually get a loan in the first place. The likelihood is the bank already has an LTV number set, and it's really about you matching the other factors rather than negotiating an LTV or a better LTV. To do that, you might just have to look at lots of different options, go to different financial institutions, see where their LTV is sitting. This is where it's important to have a really good commercial financial broker in your corner, such as Graham Shivas, who we use. Let's take a quick break to hear from our podcast sponsor. I'm often asked, who do I use for funding? My answer is always the same, Graham Shivas of Playfair Finance. Having just gone through a refinance ourselves, I know he's access to multiple funding options. As property investors and developers, we'd all have access to high street lending all of the time, of course, but the reality is we need a more diverse range of funding options particularly for different stages of the process. For example, we might need bridging finance or development finance. And then there's the refinance options at the back end of a project, such as second-tier lending or crowdfunding. As well as ourselves, Graham's also successfully provided options for a number of our CPI network members. If you're seeking funding for your commercial or development projects in the UK, then Playfair Finance will be able to give you a range of options. All the details are in the show notes or in the sponsors section of the CPI website. Okay, so where were we? And they'll be able to guide you through a range of options 
and present you with various interest rates and caveats and guidance notes and all that sort of stuff. And I've sort of been seeing things between, say, 65 to over 10% right now as an interest rate. Some of those are interest only. Some of those are capital and interest. So it, it's a moving feast right now. And it does depend on which country you're in as well, of course. So that's the LTV part. The experience part can come from residential and dealing with let's face it, development risk and tenant risk. So if you've already been doing resi, don't devalue your own experiences. They can actually form part of your credibility when getting a loan. And the serviceability part is about your ability to pay for the debt, even if this harebrained commercial adventure doesn't work out the way you planned. Things often take longer, for instance, um, such as planning. And the bank really wants to know, can you withstand those delays and put up with a lack of projected income? by servicing the debt from some other income source. So something else to bear in mind is you will begin to see that a bank may not lend to you because they themselves are overexposed to that particular sector. It's something that I think is really important to bring up. So no matter how good your deal is, the underwriters at the bank might just be saying to your business manager, whatever, look, we're too exposed to that sector. Let's say, for instance, you're going back to the the office, that, that shopper office, and you're looking at that sector and they say, well, actually, we're not going to lend to you or to anyone else because actually we have too much exposure to that sector and we're going to have to reduce it. So just move on. The problem is they don't always tell you that up front, which can lead to some wasted time. My advice now would just be keep talking to the right people and you will hear who and who doesn't have an appetite for your kind of lending right now. It's actually quite important because sometimes you will, you'll go down that route of going through all this effort and actually fundamentally they're not going to lend to your sector. Maybe you should just ask up front. Don't forget, you'll also need fees and valuation costs plus the purchase tax if there is any on top of that deposit. So if you go back to the example, you have a tenant either in the property or already lined up and signed up to move in. So the loan to value might be, say, 65%. So you'll need to find £35,000 for the deposit and perhaps another 5 to 10. 10 might be a bit heavy, but 5 to 10 for fees and tax. The smaller deals tend not to attract very much tax, but they'll certainly attract um, a fee from the bank and it'll also attract a valuation fee and legal fees. Now, usually you can add the loan fee to the loan, but not the valuation and the legal fees or indeed the tax. So now you might need as much as £45,000. I'm not saying this to put you off, but to give you the basic reality of dealing with high street and some second-tier commercial lending. Remember, though, the valuation is strongly linked to the value of the tenant and income and not the property next door, which is often the case of residential. So if you can change the income through finding a new tenant or bringing the lease amount up to market rate within a couple of years, then you'll be able to borrow against that because it will change the valuation. That is what's so interesting compared to residential. It's not market sentiment, but asset management that can lift your equity and income levels. Now, asset management is basically um, putting in better clients, changing the lease. The lease might be due to be finished, but actually you can renegotiate a better lease. It's things. It's almost more paperwork things that's doing the improvements in the background, the asset management, as they call it. And it can really, really have an impact on your LTV value because you get a revaluation based on this new, better covenant. So let's say, for instance, you had 
um, wee Jimmy in your, your unit <laughs> and he's moved out and now you get Starbucks in. Well, the valuation will be quite different with Starbucks because that covenant is very strong. One last thing to say is that the deposit doesn't always have to come from you, by the way. In residential, banks can be particularly funny about that, but not that's not always the way with commercial. You'll have to discuss that with your broker, though. So I hope that helps with the deposit question. I mean, these are the basics. I'm not a financial advisor, of course, and I'm always sharing really the experience that I've picked up along the way. So make sure you do your due diligence and keep talking. And more importantly, asking, let me ask you a question. Have you heard of SAS pensions? They're a fantastic tool for business owners to wrap a commercial property up in a tax-free bubble. SAS can work particularly well with the CMO strategy to generate money both inside and outside of your pension. It goes without saying, I'm not a SaaS expert, but let me introduce you to someone that is. Bryn Walker has been advising on SaaS pensions for many years and has been a long-term supporter of the CPI network. SaaS and commercial property work incredibly well together, but there are many nuances, and Bryn will make sure you don't stray from the right path. Look in the show notes for the partner link and book up a SaaS discovery call with Bryn. Questions. Get in the swim, meet commercial agents, commercial brokers, ask your accountant about their experiences. Often they have good relationships with banks because they need to put financials to help their customers raise money to the banks on a regular basis. So it's a good place to start. Now, if you have any questions that Uncle Google didn't give you a straight answer on, then drop us an email and we'll see if we can add it to future Back to the Basics episodes. So thanks very much for listening. Hold on. If you're excited by the prospect of investing in cash-flowing commercial property but don't quite know where to start, check out our Get in the Swim membership. It'll give you access to the CPI network, a group of investors just like you who are taking the plunge or may have even bought several commercial properties already and are willing to share their experiences. It's your chance to get around the right people, to build your knowledge and confidence about investing in commercial property. We have face-to-face events, regular online meetings, a resource library and video content to help get you up to speed. First and foremost, this is a network of actual private property investors who are actively investing into commercial property through a host of different strategies. It's one of the best ways to push past the inertia and get into commercial property. Check out the show notes or go online to cpinetwork.co.uk and as a podcast listener, you currently get a 10% discount. Just use the code PODCAST10. Go on, come and join us. I look forward to meeting you.